I don't want to just bear some fruit. I want to bear much fruit. I don't just want to be a little productive in good works. I want to be a whole lot of productive in it. And so Christian Productivity 101, it begins with this. I'm a living sacrifice. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the show that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, guys, it's good to be back with you for another episode. Um, we have picked up quite a few new listeners in the last several weeks, which has been exciting. So welcome. If you are new to the podcast or to watching online on YouTube, welcome. Glad to have you here. And please stick around. Feel free to subscribe, pull up a chair, and stick with us for the coming weeks. So in this episode, what I want to do is talk a little bit more generally. The last couple episodes have been very, very specific. Uh, what I mean is practical. Like we've talked about um, the productive benefits of taking a walk every day. Last week, I talked about a weekly review. But I like to go back and forth between really, really practical stuff and then some of like the theoretical theological basis for a, how a, a believer in Jesus thinks about productivity. And so that's what I'm going to do in this episode, especially with the new listeners in mind. I want to try to refine a little bit what we'll call Productivity 101. What does Christian Productivity 101 look like? So before we get into this topic of Christian Productivity 101, I wanted to let you know that I have been working on a course that I'm going to be releasing in the next week. And the course is on morning routines. Specifically, it is a step-by-step -step approach to creating a productive morning routine that helps you maintain the habit of Bible study, prayer, exercise, and a bunch of other stuff by waking up a little bit earlier and making those habits actually stick without actually sacrificing sleep. So this has been the the habit that I've been practicing for the past maybe 10 years, some variation of this. I've tweaked it over time. And what I wanted to do was put together a course that could take somebody by the hand and say, by the end of this course, you will have a game plan for how to wake up earlier and actually do these spiritual disciplines and, and other productivity-related things that will stick, that you will actually do for a lifetime. Because I know from my own experience that a lot of times we have great intentions of studying God's word each morning, spending time with prayer and all that stuff. But the hard part is having a plan that we stick to. So that's what this course is all about. And there will be more information on that in the coming weeks. Or you can sign up for my newsletter, newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com. There's a link in the show notes or description and I will tell you on there as well. But I'm very excited about this. I really, really think that it's going to be helpful for people. So stay tuned for more information about my course on morning routines. Okay, let's talk about Christian Productivity 101. Now, I'm going to tell you right here at the beginning of this, I this is fairly unstructured. I normally have like extensive notes and all this stuff, but I kind of want to do a rant episode. A rant-isode, we'll call it. And this is kind of just my freewheeling thoughts about Christian productivity, about where I'm at right now with thinking about it, and where I think really, if you're a believer who's thinking about how can I be more productive, this is where you should start. And it's not with the practical stuff. It's with a mindset. It's with truth. It's really with 
identity and who you are. If you don't begin there, your productivity isn't really Christian productivity at all. So here's kind of what made me start thinking about this this last week. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, he said, hey, what's Christian Productivity 101? And basically what he was asking was, where do I start? If I wanted to, you know, start becoming more productive with my life, do more, be less lazy as a believer, where would I start? And I kind of gave him a tongue-in-cheek answer, and I said, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is Christian Productivity 101. And so I want to read those verses to you, and then I want to explain why I say that that is Productivity 101. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 read, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think that's Productivity 101. But before I explain exactly what I mean when I say that's Productivity 101, I want to give you a little bit of a framework for how people think about productivity or, or kind of the different levels of it. I, I shared an article actually in my last Reagan's Roundup newsletter. I think it was issue number 10. And it was a link to Cal Newport's website where he talked about three levels of productivity. It doesn't matter whether you read it or not. I, I'll explain to you kind of how his conception of it was. So one thing I've found is when you talk to people about productivity, or for example, when I tell them that I do a podcast about productivity, people think a lot of different things. And you may be listening to this and your conception of what productivity, quote unquote, means might be different. So a lot of people, when they think productivity, they really think about like time management or like life hacks or organizing things, you know, or software apps, that kind of stuff. But it's so much more than that. Productivity, in, in Cal Newport's model, there's three levels to it. At the top, there is the level of what you choose to do, which activities. So there's all these different things you could do at any time. How do you choose what you should do right now? And that, in the realm of productivity, is the, is the uh, realm of priorities, um, decision-making matrices, you know, things like, like the Eisenhower matrix with urgent and important. Like there's all this selection stuff or the one thing we've talked about that system before on here, how you choose what to do. And below that, the second level is how you organize what you've chosen to do. So whatever project or task you have selected, how do you make sure that you are going about that in an orderly way so that you're actually making progress on what you've chosen to do. And that I think is the realm that a lot of people think about when they kind of nerd out on productivity apps or like task managers like uh, or bullet journal or things like that, right? Where you actually manage the things you've chosen to do. But that's really just the second level of it. You choose to do things, there's the activities you've chosen to do, then there's the organization of them. And then the third level is execution. And this is the level of when you actually do the thing. 
And a lot of people forget this, to be honest with you. They'll nerd out so much about keeping their priorities straight and keeping them organized that they don't actually have enough time to do the thing. And so this is the world of things like books like Deep Work or if you ever have done like a Pomodoro timer where you you try to you know keep track of or you, you work for 25 minutes, then take a five minute break, things like that. So see what I mean? There, there's different levels at which we engage with our work productively. We choose what we do, we organize it, and we execute on it. So those are the three levels that Newport described in his article. And I think that I've always kind of thought about it at those levels as well. Maybe not in as firm of a, um, of a uh, model. But as I was thinking about that and about what makes it, what makes the productivity of a Christian unique, I would say that most of what we bring to that that's unique happens at the selection phase, right? The, the, the priorities of a Christian are different than another person, right? We desire to glorify God. We want to do those things which, which aren't sinful, but which, you know, uh, advance God's kingdom and all of that. So I think in that way, the selection phase is a lot different a lot of times that second level, the organization, that's going to look a lot like what anybody would do. And that's where I think that we can kind of, you know, uh, plunder the Egyptians and take the best systems from the world about how we organize things and keep them straight. And that's okay. Um, and then, of course, the third level, too, where we actually execute and do deep work or the focus, I think a lot of that's going to be similar for believers as for unbelievers, except for our attitudes and our actions and the reason for which we're doing the work that we're doing may or ought to look a lot different, right? I, I need to make sure that I'm not, um, when I'm working, I'm not doing it with an attitude of grumbling or complaining, right? It, it, it's important that I actually get the work done but it's also important my attitude that I have in it. So that's going to be unique as well. But in that conception of these three levels of productivity, I think that there is still one that's missing. And the one that's missing is actually unique to believers. And what I mean is, like we described those, level one was what you choose to do. Level two is how you organize it. Level three is execution. But I think there's a level zero that's a that's you know before level one, and that level is purpose. Your reason for existence. the The level that precedes all other productivity is really a question: Why? Why are you here? What is it you're supposed to be doing? Because we all can tackle our work and try to become more efficient at it and better organized with it and, 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 and do those things in a deeper, more efficient way and make progress on them. But before all that, even before priorities, is this question of who are you? Why are you here? Why do you want to be productive in the first place? And that can be answered in various ways. At the highest level, the reason you exist is to glorify God. 
You were created to make God look good. You were in his, right? It says in Genesis that we're created in his image. There's a reason for that. We were created to be in the image of God so that we might bring him honor and glory as we image forth him, reflect his attributes, reflect what he is like. So glorifying God is why we exist. So how do we glorify God? Well, we glorify God by obeying him, by serving him, by living as he has created us to live, and indeed by doing the work that he has called us to do. And whatever work we've been called to do, doing it well, doing it in a way that an image bearer of God should do it so that God gets the glory, so that he is honored in it. And so I think that that's absolutely critical. You can't simply approach your work. And, you know, I know a lot of people who listen to this are, uh, they're entrepreneurs, there are stay-at-home moms, there are uh, pastors, a lot of different types of people that I interact with when you guys email me. And I know everyone's at a different phase of life and kind of different things we're doing, but it cannot be Christian productivity if we're not engaging with it like Christians. And if the reason we're engaging with whatever our work is, is not based on who we are in Christ. Okay. Wow. I know. Cool rant so far. Let me try to put a little bit of meat on this and let's go back to the verses I just read. Romans 12, one and two. Why did I say that this is productivity 101? Because the apostle Paul, he says, he, he says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what's going on here, actually, in, in Romans is right before this, in chapters 9 through 11 of Romans, Paul has been helping the church at Rome deal with the question of, okay, if Christ has come, he's the Messiah, how come the Jews, for whom the Messiah was uh, promised, how come so few of them have believed? How come our church in Rome, it's mostly Gentiles? And so Paul's dealing with that question of, well, okay, well, what's going on with them? Why is it that that uh, so many of them have turned away? And he explains all this stuff about how God has set, set a time for Gentiles to come in and eventually the Jews will come in. It's a whole thing. You should read it. My point is simply that chapter 11 ends with Paul really reflecting on the fact that God has shown mercy to everybody in terms of every people group, Jew or Gentile. He has shown his mercy. And that's why one of the most, you know, well-known passages in the Bible happens at the end of that. He's really extolling the gospel and God's wisdom in showing mercy to everyone. And that's where he says at the end of chapter 11, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. Right? Uh, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Right? Paul's just so pumped about the glory of God in salvation and how he's shown himself merciful to so many different kinds of people that he's just got a, you know, rah, rah, rah about it with this doxology. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is, if you've been a believer for a while, you probably have heard this passage, right? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That The reason Paul says this is it's it comes after him talking about the gospel. Remember, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> it's because it's, it's saying, by the mercies of God. 
I appeal to you guys. Here's what you should do in light of the gospel. So if you are a Christian, if you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, why are you interested in productivity? Why? Because by the mercies of God, you want to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Productivity 101, in other words, is the fact that a person has become so gripped by the truth of the gospel, they've put their faith in Jesus Christ, and now they're just so thankful and they're so desirous to serve him with their life that they offer themselves, as how's Paul put it, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. It's an interesting phrasing too. Sometimes with like well-known verses like this, we just kind of like, I don't know, assign it in our mind to like a vague spiritual place. We're like, yes, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. But think about what he's saying. Sacrifices were normally dead, right? When you made a sacrifice in, in uh, in the Jewish system, you would kill it on the altar, right? And so living sacrifice is important. That's an important adjective there. Because this is what God has called us to. Not to die like in, in like a literal sense, but to die to self, to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. Our entire self is his. I might have also said that productivity 101 was uh, your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price, right? Or any other verse that talks about I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? Galatians 2.20. The, the beginning, the 101, the starting place of being a productive Christian is, of course, the gospel. But it is the response in us that the gospel engenders. When we have been saved, we're saved by grace through faith, right? But what does that do? It changes you into someone who longs to do good works for God, right? You're not saved by your good works, But after being saved, what do you want to do? You want to serve. You want to sacrifice. And so Productivity 101 starts with you accepting this mission, as it were, that in light of the mercies of God, in light of the good news of the gospel, and in light of you being adopted as sons and daughters of the kings, amazing stuff, now it's time to get to work. Now we, we don't, it's not that I have to, it's now I get to serve this amazing God, you know, the depths of the riches, the wisdom, this amazing God who I love and is so worthy of glorification. Now I get to, now I have a way to glorify him with my life, with living as a, it was a living sacrifice. And and Paul goes on to say here that, so uh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. It's really says like rational worship or logical worship, but essentially it's, it's your reasonable service. In fact, there's a book on a Christian's reasonable service. Anyway, side note, this is the way that it makes sense. Let me put you, put yourself in the shoes of the people Paul's writing to in the Rome, in Romans. They've just heard this amazing mystery of the gospel and they've had what now 11 chapters of Paul just talking about the gospel and all that God's done. And then he finally gets to chapter 12. He's like, so what are you going to do about it? And they're just chomping at the bit to say, how do I serve this God? How do I worship him? I want to honor this amazing God who has done these amazing things through the gospel. And Paul gives his answer. 
In light of all that, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Serve him. That is the reasonable service. That is just the rational thing to do once you understand what Christ has done for you. And he elaborates on it in verse 2 where he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so here is it even brought out more clearly. How is it that I offer myself as a living sacrifice? Well, it's not going to be the way the world does it. I'm not going to be conformed to the thinking patterns of the world, right? Because he, he talks about the renew of your mind. So the contrast is in, in the way we look at the world, in philosophy, in how we think. I don't want to be conformed to the world. And so herein is a great uh, basis for why the, the, the work or the, the productivity of a Christian is going to look so much different from the world's. We might, like I said, at that level two thing, right, with organization, we might utilize some of their systems. But, man, we're, we're operating on a whole nother level. <laughs> and what I mean is we have a different reason we're here to serve the Lord, not just to get rich or to get our business off the ground or to, you know, have a have a Pinterest perfect family. No, the reason you want to be productive is because you want to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So it's going to look different in the world. You don't, you can't be conformed to the world. And that really, in a lot of ways, is why I produce this podcast and, and the blogs and whatever else I do. Who knows whatever else I do. It's because I, I just in, in the core of my, my thinking about productivity is this notion that the way in which I approach life as a Christian, it's got to be different than the world. I can't accept the same philosophies and the same raison d'etre as the rest of the world. No. I know the king of kings. I know why I exist. I have the answer to the greatest philosophical questions of all time. Why are we here? What is our purpose? I'm here because God made me and he created me to glorify him. So I'm going to work my tail off in his power for his glory. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to bear much fruit. So Jesus said in John 15, right? By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And that's in connection to him, the true vine. Man, productivity is all in the Bible. Yeah, it is, but it's different than the world. So we can't be conformed to the same way of thinking about it. Instead, what does it say? We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do you do that? Well, exposure to the word of God, I think primarily, and meditating on it. When we dig into the scriptures, we find the mind of Christ. God has revealed himself to us, of course, in many ways in creation, you know, we look around at the stars and the moon and the beach, and we see the power of God on display. But it's in the Bible that we have it explained who God is, why he's done what he's done. And the gospels there and, and even stuff like this, uh, explications of what it means to live like a believer in Jesus Christ. And so when we expose ourselves to this, we have our mind begins to be changed. We're feeding it, not with the world's philosophy, not with things that aren't true and where we just kind of go along with the Joneses and do whatever else our neighbors are doing. But when you constantly expose yourself to the Bible, your mind starts to change. It starts to be transformed. And when your mind is transformed, your behavior is transformed. All that we do is really downstream of the way we think, isn't it? 
And so if I go to a church that teaches the Word of God, and I hear that week after week, and if every morning I wake up and I spend time exposed to the Word of God, and throughout the day I've memorized Scripture so that I am meditating on I'm thinking on what it means, I'm listening to worship music in the car, I'm talking to other believers who are encouraging me with the words of the Word, and I am praying to God things that are true and asking for wisdom. It is impossible if you're doing those things to not have your mind transformed. And when your mind is transformed, that is what enables you to, he says, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I can, when my mind is transformed, when it is being renewed by the word, when that happens, I am able to better judge what I'm supposed to do. What is it that is good and acceptable to God? How is it I'm supposed to live? And you see how that starts to descend then into that first level of productivity, selection. What do I do? What should I do today? What job should I take? Even at, you know, at, a, at, a, at a wider level, what projects should I work on? What commitments should I make? All of these things are informed by our identity in Christ and the, uh, the degree to which we have had our mind renewed by exposure to the word. And so when I talk about Christian productivity, I, I, I never want it to be assumed that what I'm doing is just like slapping a Jesus fish on the back of getting things done by David Allen or something, or that we're just, you know, putting a, a cross emoji on the front of seven habits. It's so much deeper than that. And product, even tr calling it productivity, it just like trivializes what it really is that we're trying to do. It's Christian living. I've said it before on here. All this podcast is is just a trick to get you to listen to it so we can talk about Christian living. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it is. We do talk about the practical things, how you organize your life and keep it straight and make sure you are getting done the things you've committed to get done. But at the end of the day, you cannot even start to think about being a productive Christian until you have first come up to Productivity 101, which is, you don't belong to you. You are God's. Your life has been given to him. Do you know that there's a reason that we call Jesus Lord? I, I find it funny sometimes. Well, I guess I find it funny because I didn't. I grew up going to church and I didn't know this for a very long time. But when we say, you know, Jesus or Christ or Lord, those all mean different things. Did you know that? Christ means Messiah, it means anointed one, so it's a title, um, and, and Jesus was his name. Well, what's Lord? Lord means Lord. That's also a title. It means master. When I say that Jesus is Lord, I'm not just giving him a name. I'm bowing the knee. And that really is what the Christian life is, and that is what Christian productivity is. It is where you take on the, uh, the identity of a servant of the Lord, of your master, and you say, how can I best serve him? I don't want to just bear some fruit. I want to bear much fruit. I don't just want to be a little productive in good works and in doing things that please God. I want to be a whole lot of productive in it. And so Christian Productivity 101, it begins with this. I'm a living sacrifice. 
And as a living sacrifice, I want to choose the things to do that best please God. I want to organize them in the best way possible so I can get the most of them done. And I want to execute on them with diligence and focus and attention to detail so that God is honored through the whole process. That's Christian Productivity 101. And that is my rant for the week. That was completely off the cuff, but you can tell I've been thinking about that a lot. And so there you go. I'll have a more structured, more practical episode next week for you, Lord willing. But I wanted to talk about this because it has just been on my mind. There is, there is this... Here it goes again. <laughs> there is this, I think so many Christians have this view of the Christian life is you get saved. Now we wait for heaven. Now we just look exactly like the rest of the world. Maybe we'll go to church on Sundays. But otherwise, you know, the Christian just like the rest of the world, except we don't color, we don't curse. We go on to church on Sundays. And sometimes we have awkward conversations to try to get more people to become Christians. <laughs> but it's more than that. The life of a Christian is full of fledged service to God. And it is the most fulfilling thing you can ever do is to lay down your life spiritually in service of the King. And so I encourage you in that. I encourage you, let's find ways to be productive for Christ, but let's do it. Let's not forget where it starts. It starts with acknowledging who I am. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm a servant of the King of Kings. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It is my joy to bring this to you. I just hope that it's encouraging to you. I hope that it it uh, inspires you to follow Christ more closely and to be more productive with his resources for his glory. I'll be here again next week, but I wanted to let you know, please do sign up for that newsletter if you haven't yet. It's just newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com. I really think you're going to like it. I fill it with lots of great links about productivity and about Christian living and some of my own insights, and that is the best place to keep up with updates like... When is this amazing uh, morning routine course coming out? Reagan, Reagan, do you hear all these people here with me? Reagan, Reagan, tell us more about the course. Tell us. We want to hear it because we, we want to get it. It is, I think, a good course. I made it, and I'm trying to make it good. But I really do think you guys are going to like this. It is hyper practical. If you like what we're talking about here and you're like, I just want to plan, that's what this course is. It gives you a game plan for being more productive with your life for God's glory. That's what the course is. You're going to walk away with a plan. So do check it out when it comes out. It's going to be called Power Mornings. I will tell you more about it in next week's episode. And it's definitely going to be in the newsletter. Anyway, I'll keep you posted on that. And I will see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this. In whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God. 